0: You're listening to a sermon from Um, I'm reading from 1 Timothy chapter 1, um, 12. I, th- I thank Jesus, Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was a blasphemer and a... Persecutor and a violent man I was shown mercy because I acted in ing- Ignorance And unbelief The grace of our Lord was poured out, out On me abundantly Along with the faith and love that Are in Jesus Christ Jesus Good afternoon Thanks Sarah for reading that um, couple of verses That's what I'm going to launch off This afternoon Um First of all, I need to ask a question. How come I wasn't invited to the one thirty children's um, Easter party? Would you call it Easter party? Is there is there any lollies left? Or um, all right? Hey. Oh, ah, yeah. oh, that's so kind. No, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. But I'm just so touched that you actually were willing to do that. That's wonderful. Maybe I'll take you up on one afterwards. All right, over with a cup of coffee. But it's really a joy to be here. I've um, been. This year, pretty well, been coming once a month. Uh, you know, I think it's been the first Sunday of the month pretty well. So it's been really a joy to come. I just kind of wander around, say hello to everybody, and always feel really welcome and blessed. So it's just good to be able to come. And, and I always count it a privilege to just open up the Word of God and share it together. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to sharing this couple of verses with you. This is a couple of verses that Sarah read to you from Timothy. So Paul had written to Timothy, uh, we know, Well, many of us know, and not shouldn't assume all of us, but many of us would know that um, uh, you know, Paul was writing to Timothy as a young man who obviously um, had had a call of God upon his life to go and to serve the Lord. For him, it was a bit of a pastoral ministry. But when we read these words, we read them as Paul to Timothy. But I want us to, to make, see the relevance of these words to each one of us, because we have a bit of a, a thought around this place that um, every person is called to ministry. You know, we, we know that we use that word in a couple of different contexts. So, you know, we talk about a minister or ministry in terms of official recognition of people that are called to lead or to pastoral ministry or whatever. But we also understand the meaning of the word as being a servant of God. And so every one of us have a ministry. We use the term every believer ministry. Every believer has a call to ministry, has a part to play. We think about the body which we often talk about, the church as a body. And we kind of say from the youngest to the oldest that each one of us has value and each one of us has a part to play within their the local church or within the church body. We also um, have heard over the years, remember it was an Easter camp a long, long time ago where uh, a fellow came to be the guest speaker to, our, to the children, you know, through, throughout the Easter camp, it was an Easter camp, uh, interestingly enough, But it was a long time ago and I just remember this guy who was invited over because he uh, had a special ministry to children and, 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 uh, you know, someone that was uh, very good at that. So we got him to come over and to minister throughout the Easter weekend to the children. And at the end when he was brought to the front to be thanked for, you know, for his ministry to the kids, he made a statement which I've never forgotten and probably quoted hopefully not too many times but certainly lots of times and that is that the children are not part of the church of tomorrow, but they're part of the church today. Is that right? Now, again, I understand that it's beautiful. Yeah, I understand that like children, we want to let them be children, don't we? we don't want to weigh them down with responsibilities and pressures, you know, like serving in the church. But we also recognise, that this is something that you guys are good at here, um, you know, that from a young age, you're wanting to involve them and include them in seeing and seeing the contribution that they make to the church body. And that's not like being patronising or it's not something token. It's something very genuine, isn't it, that you know, I think more and more is part of our culture. So all of that to say that every one of us has a ministry and every one of us are part of the body of Christ. So when we see here Paul's words to Timothy, just encouraging him, um, and I'll, I'll read it in a couple of different translations. It doesn't change the meaning at all of it, but it just does unpack it a little bit and gives us a bit of a... A couple of angles to look at it. But this is from 1 Timothy 1 12 and 14. As as I said, Sarah read that out for us. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, he says, I thank Christ Jesus my Lord. And he says a few things. He says, He's enabled me because He counted me faithful, calling me to or putting me into the ministry. So really, I guess from that I'm saying, Timothy, well, his ministry was a certain expression of ministry. But for each of us, um, we, we're sometimes it's an unfolding journey isn't it to know what our ministry is it's probably the big question that many people have oh I'm not sure what what's your ministry and I'm not sure that's a, an easy question or even a helpful question because ultimately we're just serving aren't we in the church and we're just doing what we do we're just seeing what God's got for us and as we learn and grow I always call it God's unfolding agenda in our life I love that he has a plan for us he knew us before we were born Psalm 139 always comes to mind when I'm thinking about this. That He knew us before we were born, and so I love the idea that He was shaping us. And you know, I I kind of see that He was maybe just had this glee, uh, gleeful uh, sort of countenance as He put us together, and as he said, you know, what gifts and talents we might have, and things that might be part of our makeup, our personality, and the different aspects of our makeup, so that, you know, as we're born, and then we grow, and we're developed in a family situation, and other environments, church family as well, that those gifts then come to the fore, and so this is, there's this unfolding agenda uh, that's you know, quite intentional. But we have a free will with that, don't we? We can sort of respond to that or we can run from that. And many of us have probably got a story of different seasons in our life when we've done both. But um, so each of us, like, have that ministry. There's a sense whereby each of us are called to to, to just discover our ministry. But, you know, right from the beginning, I got saved. I know I've told you this many times, but not everyone has perhaps has heard this, but I got saved in 1975. It's a long time ago. I was 15 years old at my at agricultural boarding school, and uh, there was a group of boys there that were pretty, uh, pretty. Um, one of them was my older brother, and they were very, very passionate about their faith, but in a good sort of way. I'd see them get up early and go and pray. No teachers, no parents were making them. You know, get up and pray, but they just had a heart to pray, and they're praying for a school and praying for whatever. Well, whatever they were praying for. Um, and uh, and I used to sort of see them doing that thing. Who would who would be crazy enough to get up early and just to go and do that voluntarily if no one's making you do that? Uh, this is probably a good good point, a good time to, to own up and tell you that this is my favourite day of the year. Anyone else, this is the favourite day of the year when you actually get an extra hour of sleep in but you don't lose an hour. It's pretty good, isn't it? Like you get an hour of sleep in but you don't lose an hour. And during the week I started thinking, oh, it's going to be... Daylight savings coming up soon, and I'm thinking I'm going to lose an hour. And then when I realised that it actually is the other way around, I actually gained two hours. Who, who knows that? Because I thought I was going to lose an hour, instead I gained an hour, so I actually gained two hours. Anyone else think like me? Uh, no, I didn't think so. Anyway, hope I haven't lost you now for the rest of what I'm going to say today. When you know I think that way, but you know it's it's a it's a great uh, great day. But I'd see these guys, you know, going to pray, and I think there's something. Something about them, you know. I'd grown up and learned about things of God, and in some ways had just not fully responded to that. But I'm grateful for those years when I learned. Uh, much, you know, from the Word of God that's helped me and brought me in good stead these days. But, you know, um, it took till year 10 to just make that commitment. But what happened was I, I remember as I began, probably from those early years, I began to think, I think that there's a, a call to some area of ministry expression. Um, I probably felt like I had a care for people and, you know, there was a bit of a sense of pastoral. I never really wanted to lead a church as such. I never thought about that. And it probably was a long way from my thinking anyway as a young guy. But I was just not really thinking of that as something that I would ever want to do, but I thought I do want to serve the Lord. I do want to find out what my ministry is and I had a sense that that somehow there was a growing compassion for people and a love for people and I sensed that there was a call you know, on my life. But it's not like it becomes really clear straight up and so what I, I used to, someone I guess shared this scripture with me and I remember it just coming alive to me and helping me realise that I don't need to understand all about what my future was going to look like. I didn't need to understand, you know, and be able to describe to anybody what ministry I was feeling like I was going to have. I didn't even really need to fully understand where I was in that journey of, you know, the unfolding agenda of God. But what was really a relief for me and an encouragement at the same time was when I saw this and I thought, you know what, this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. He's saying that when God counts you faithful, then he's the one who... Gives the ability and the opportunity to be able to serve Him in the way that He's called you to do. Now I'm not sure whether you think I'm, I'm uh, you know, adding too much to that, but that's how I see it. He says He's enabled me because He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So let me just read. Oh, yeah, I just thought it was helpful to read it from a couple of other translations, and so um, I'll, I'll read again if it's all right. I'll read again. Read again. Uh, the passage from the New King James Version, and then I'd like to just read from a couple of others. But it just says this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. I love that when those two words are together, exceedingly abundant. I mean, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but, you know, it says that if you call unto me, or it says that he's able to do, it's not the call unto me one, he it says he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And I don't know about you, but when I, when I think of that, I think, well, I'm able to think of some pretty big things that I really would love God to do for me. But, you know, when I'm thinking about that, I know that he is able. Now, it's not necessarily he's going to do every single thing that I kind of whim for because that's not really going to always be helpful for me. But what he's able to do, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And here it says, his grace was exceedingly abundant with faith and love in Christ Jesus. I'd like to read it from the Amplified. This is one of those examples in the Amplified when... It's got like brackets in brackets, you know what I mean? And when you read it through, it doesn't sound overly fluent. So I'll do my best to try and read it to you in a way that's clear. But if you, you know, if you kind of think, oh, that's interesting, then maybe after you could just take a note of it. 1 Timothy 1, 12 to 14 in the Amplified Bible and maybe have a read of it later on. The phone comes in pretty handy. The phone Bible these days doesn't it, to check all the translations. But this is it. I'll read it to you. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has granted me, in brackets, the needed strength and made me able for this, because he considered me faithful and trustworthy, putting me into service for this ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer of our Lord and a persecutor of his church and a shameful and outrageous and violent aggressor towards believers, Yet I was shown mercy because I acted out of ignorance in unbelief. The grace of our Lord Jesus, sorry, the grace of our Lord, his amazing unmerited favor and blessing flowed out in superabundance for me, together with the faith and the love which are realized in Christ Jesus. A lot in that, isn't it? There's something beautiful about how that uh, describes um, both our undeservedness, but yet the plan of God to to see that as we're faithful, as we just look to be faithful, then He is the one that can add ability. He is the one that can uh, open and provide the opportunity for us. I mentioned before I had no real aspirations. I mean, I wanted to serve the Lord, but I had no real aspirations to uh, to any um, you know specific call to ministry in the sense that we use it to say you know a pastor or a leader of a church or whatever and so there would have been many reasons for that there would have been a an absence of confidence I was a perhaps a, a young fella brought up on the farm uh, you know um, not all my life I had the first six years uh, living in couple of years in Melbourne and then a few years living in the town of Leeton. My parents bought the farm, so we moved on to the farm. But then I just loved being on the farm with the family, didn't necessarily want to be too many other places, played a bit of footy and things. But you know, I was confident in those safe arenas, but I wasn't always confident about mixing with people and certainly not getting up and speaking, you know, in front of people. So for that reason, it would have seemed seemed fairly obvious not to aspire to anything like that. You know what I'm saying? And so I, but I did have this heart that just wanted to be faithful. I just wanted to do what God had called me to do. I wanted to serve within the local church and I wanted to be open to what God wanted me to do uh, with my life and I think that was something that was pretty pretty definite there. And so it was really encouraging to know that if I am just faithful you know, then it's God who will work out the plan. It was God who if he called me to something then he would just provide the ability to do that. And I'm not meaning like suddenly from yesterday to today, you know, the whole personality and confidence and everything else shifts. But there's this, there's this ability, isn't there, or there's this ability that he gives us as he grows us and strength, stretches us and strengthens us. Is that all right? Who knows what I'm talking about? Are you you okay with this? Because I'm trying to encourage us and say it's not that we stand back. It's not that we belittle what we have. It's not that we make light of what God can do in our life. But, you know, we don't have to put pressure on ourselves saying, well, I think I've got to do this or whatever. You know, one of the mistakes we often make is we compare ourselves to others, don't we? And we validate, you know, whether what we do has value based on what we see others do and those sorts of things. I mean, those of us who um, have got a couple of years on us and I'll look. Up in the top to make sure I don't look at anyone in particular. I'm not looking at you, Hillary. Honest, you're still young, okay? But no. But you know what I mean. But you know what happens is life, just life experience, doesn't it makes you a bit more restful about you know how you compare yourself and what you you know your sense of identity or whatever. But even more than life and life experience is when we come to understand that it's God who calls us and it's God, it's relationship with God that gives validity and value and worth to what we do. And that when I'm just being where He's uh, where he wants me to be, doing what he's given me to do. You know, I get a lot of sense of worth out of that, and it, it sets us free from envy, and it sets us free from comparison, and the pressure sometimes of having to be something that we're not. I'm not sure if you if you understand some of those pressures that come along at time in our life, because we want to serve him, but we also realise that each of us, um, you know, uh, have to find you know where that is for ourselves. And so in this in this passage, it talks about. Um, how he's the one who enables the New Living Translation, just quickly before I move on, just says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. It's his work, isn't it? It's his work. Um, he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. And goes on about being the blasphemer and how he persecuted people. And then verse 14, I know how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come. From Jesus Christ, and so there was that the freedom that came uh, when I realized that what I really needed to do was just be faithful. Lord, what do you want me to do? Um, you know and if I just just find myself in that place, some of you have heard me share um, you know one of the the life scriptures and i 've got a few, but just one of the scriptures that I constantly I guess, encourage myself, remind myself of, and use as a bit of a checking point in my life and leadership is, um, is from uh, uh, Luke and 12, and it's 42 and 43. I won't look it up for time's sake this afternoon. But um, Luke 12, 42 and 43, and he just says, who then is the faithful and wise servant? You might have heard me talk about that. Who is the faithful and wise servant? And it really says the one who, when the master comes, finds you so doing and really meaning that he finds you doing what you're meant to be doing, that the master has given us, you know, he's made us stewards, he's entrusted to us a life, he's entrusted to us um, uh, gifts and talents, etc. I shared uh, a little while back we were doing a dedication at home, and I'm not sure, I don't think I've referred to this, but I just shared a bit of a message because the dedication service always reminds me about how we're a steward of a life. You know, as parents, we're a steward of a life. We don't own the child, but, you know, and so I was just preparing for that. And so I felt to just share a whole message, you know, as part of that dedication service on, um, uh, on just being stewards and how we're wise stewards. And 1 Corinthians 4 verses 1 and 2, it says, Let a man so consider us, uh, this is, again, Paul just saying, let, let people consider us to be servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And it says in verse 2 then, it says, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And so, you know, what's what what what's been entrusted to us, I, I made a bit of a list of things on that message and just quickly went through a few things. We're stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, I think one of the privileges we have is that we can actually be Um, The Bible uses different terms. We can be ambassadors. Uh, I won't turn to it either, but 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, it tells us that we're a new creation. And then it says that we've been reconciled to God. And then after that, it says that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And then it says we're like ambassadors pleading on behalf of Christ that people might be reconciled to God. You see, that's, that's a privilege we have, isn't it? We're entrusted with the opportunity to be able to share our story and our testimony, to be able to share the gospel with people who, um, and help them to be reconciled to God. We don't reconcile people to God, but we've been given the ministry to, uh, you know, as ones who are reconciled to God. We've been able to, we're able to share a message that helps people reconcile to God. Isn't that the good thing, the good news of the gospel? How lovely are the feet of those who bring good news. Why? Because what we do is we bring the message of the gospel of reconciliation. You know, the little uh, uh, children's um, presentation uh, that you do, and I love, love those as they unpack different parts of the Bible uh, in a clearly understood way. Um, when I was watching that, it's funny all the things that you could have noticed. I just noticed the veil, you know, being torn. Because as I was thinking, I just think, oh, just one of the things I just love, and I've come to appreciate so much, is that He has removed everything that separates us from His presence. That He's actually opened the way for us to abide, not only come to His presence, but actually abide in His presence. So that every moment of every day we can walk aware of His presence and His power in our life. And what a, what a life changer that is. What a transforming reality that is. And yet we struggle with that sometimes. But when we can realise that the veil has been torn and that the, the, the relationship, the sacrifice, the per- perfect sacrifice has been given once and for all through Jesus and we can live in relationship with him, you know, just every day. And, you know, we're mindful sometimes when we do things that are not right. It's not him that moves away from us. It's actually us sometimes that move away from him, isn't it? And we kind of feel like he's not close because of things that we've done. But in the end, you know, we understand and realize that it's not about our perfection, but it's about um, what Jesus Christ has done for us that enables us to just walk with him and have relationship with him every day. And we just learn to do that. We learn to listen to his voice. And, you know, I'm not talking about audible voice. That's a very rare thing. But we do look for those whispers, you know, in our heart and the, the scripture that we open up and it just kind of comes alive to us. And even though we've read it a thousand times, today it seems to be speaking to us in a special way, you know. And that's how we live our life, in relationship with him every day. And so we're stewards. We're stewards of um, of the, the mysteries of God. We're stewards of our, uh, of our lives, of our gifts. Gifts and our talents—we're stewards, and I've got verses for all of these. But just giving you a summary: uh, we're stewards of our time. Uh, I love Psalm ninety, verse twelve. It says number it teaches to number our days. Um, stewards of our possessions, stewards of our relationships, and I'll just comment on that for a moment because you know when we live our life, it's amazing, isn't it, how God just brings us into a circle of somehow into a circle of people. And some of those are by deliberate choice, you know, friends that we get on well with and we connect with as friends. But some of those are not our choice. You know, we, we, uh, we're born into a family. We go into a workplace. And in a workplace, there are people there that we didn't necessarily choose to relate to. But what happens is we, we have this sense. I mean, it's all about perspective, but we have this sense that, well, God, you've brought these people into my life, into my world, maybe for a season. And so we want to be faithful stewards of people that somehow are in our world, in our life. Who knows what I'm talking about? And some people are not easy to, to live with. You might not have any like that. But, you know, some people are not easy to, uh, to know or to work with, particularly I'm thinking of workplaces probably. It's not always easy, you know, the number of people sometimes that say, can you just pray for me? I'm struggling in my workplace. Because we don't choose that and it can be difficult at times. But you know what happens is we have to ask ourselves, well, Lord, you know, do you want me to run from this? And if he says yes, that's fine. But sometimes it's because he's put us there for a purpose, hasn't he? To be salt and light in that environment. And so I think about that. I just want to be faithful, Lord, in the relationships that you've given me and what you've given me to, to have as my own. And I'm thankful for the things that I own, but none of them really belong to me because I'm a steward of what he's entrusted to me. Is that right? And I'm not in any way saying that we don't appreciate or that we squander the things that we have and the things that he's given to us. But what I'm saying is that we treat them as though they belong to him, but he's given us those things as a blessing because he's trusting us to be faithful stewards of those things that we have been given. And so this is all about being faithful. And then when it's in the context of a dedication, I spoke about how we're stewards of our our children and we have a responsibility to pray for them, instruct them in the way that, that uh, God would want them to go, and we set a godly example for them, etc., etc. But you know, so that's what a steward really is. You know, one of the things that I found um, was, as I thought about being faithful to God, that actually one of the things that was so helpful in that is to realize that God is faithful. To affirm that that He is faithful, because when we understand that He is faithful, somehow that Opens the way, or somehow that that. Um creates the possibility, if you want to put it that way, for us then to say, well, I'm going to be faithful to him. Because this is not about I'm going to be faithful and it's some sort of human effort, you know. But it's actually when we understand how faithful he is, then it's easier. Then somehow it's a natural response or uh, an easier response to say, I just want to be faithful to him. He's trusted everything to me. And I jotted down a couple of quick verses here. There's hundreds of them, but I jotted down a couple of bits here that just talk about how he is faithful. There's one place in Deuteronomy, and I didn't put the reference, but it just says, the Lord God who keeps covenant to a thousand generations. Think about that. We did sing a song that talked about a thousand generations, but it says he keeps covenant, that he is faithful to a thousand generations. Well, I'll tell you, I wrote in my notes, so what happens when that runs out? But really, um, a thousand generations, the picture there obviously is that we'll never run out, we'll never exhaust his faithfulness. And so he is um, he is faithful to a thousand generations. I find myself saying, when I'm in worship or when I'm just contemplating at times, if I'm just uh, just in my quiet time and whatever, I say the thing that I, it's not the only thing I say, but the thing that I would say more than anything else, the thing that I would thank him for and the thing that I would declare about him would be, Lord, you are faithful Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I find myself more than anything else really appreciating his faithfulness. Psalm 36, 5 and 7 says, Faithfulness, your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. It actually says, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like uh, the great mountains. Uh, There was an old song we used to sing, your your righteousness is like a mighty mountain, and so I was nearly going to say that, but it's the same thing. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Verse 7, this is Psalm 36, verse 7 says, how precious is your loving kindness, therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. And I don't have time to unpack that, but... The language of that is that when we get to learn about his faithfulness, when we get to learn about his loving kindness, when we get to learn about what he is like, his mercy is so great toward us that what happens is our heart then is able to trust him and to hide under the shelter of his wings. Psalm 37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. It's really a picture, isn't it, of coming into uh, his promise—a uh, land flowing with milk and honey—and that actually there's plenty there to be nourished by. And in a sense, here that it's saying, trust in the Lord, and if we dwell in the land, if we dwell in the place of his fulfilled promises in our life, if we trust his promise and we live in a way uh, that learns to trust his promises, then what happens is, then we are nourished by his faithfulness. We can actually be partakers of all that he's promised uh, because he is faithful to his promises. There's a lot in that, and I said it quickly, but I hope we can grab that. And then uh, Lamentations 3.23 talks about his mercy and says his compassion doesn't fail. And it says there, new every morning, great is your faithfulness. New every morning, great is your faithfulness. There's a psalm, I think it is, it says as surely as the morning, um, as surely as the sunrise, you know, uh, he will, um, it doesn't say faithful, but something similar to that, you know. But it's just talking about how we can have, confidence in his faithfulness. It's like every day is a new day. Now, he doesn't depart at the night and then turn up every morning. He's with us always. But do you know what I mean? Like every day, we can just declare and affirm his faithfulness to us every day. And so there's something beautiful about thinking about his faithfulness and then responding to Um, to, you know, no matter what we see as our shortcomings or how inadequate we feel or how confused we feel about what our ministry is or what he's calling us to, the one thing that we can do is we can come back and plant our feet upon, Lord, I just want to be faithful to you. Lord, I just want to set my heart to what you want. I know most people start with a definition, but I'm going to finish with this, with a definition, all right? Because I thought, what does it mean to be faithful? I was kind of wondering whether I just take 30 seconds, maybe 45 seconds, and just let you think about, if you had to give a definition of what it is to be faithful, what would you say? So I I won't ask you to respond to me, perhaps someone braver than me like Annette might do that, but, but I will just give you a minute or whatever, 45 seconds seems a long time, a minute, just think if you had to answer me if you had to give a definition of faithfulness to be faithful what would you what would you say have a think about that and then I'll share what I think and you can see if it's somewhere near When I was thinking about how I would describe faithfulness, my mind went to Matthew 6, 33, which just says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's kind of like everything else finds its place, doesn't it? In that context, of saying don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear, and it's not telling us to run around hungry and naked, but it's saying we could get so absorbed with that. But in many ways, if we kind of make our primary focus on, well, what do you want for me? Well, where are you leading me? How can I just daily respond to you and just be available to you and see what you want? And I'm not talking about some really you know, heavy, burden, intense way, but just where that's, that's the posture of our heart as we live each day for him. And as we're doing that, then these things will be added to you. It's funny, isn't it, how everything else can kind of find its place in our life you know as a as a dad um, we have four children now a bunch of grandchildren as many of you know but I remember you know as I just began to, to serve God and you know change my work and worked with the church and just began to serve God and devote time to doing that and some mission work and things you know you got four young children and you think to yourself well how's it going to affect the children you know And again, it's finding that balance, isn't it? You don't want to uh, disregard that. It's an important responsibility. And I want to be a faithful steward, as I've already said, of the children that have been entrusted to me. But yet in some ways you think, you know what, if I... It can get complicated, can't it, when you're trying to work it all out. Well, Lord, if I just stay faithful to what you've called me to, and if I just, as best as I can, just be open to you and let you lead me and let you guide my life, will you know my children will be blessed. My children will find their way. And I don't mean everything will go smoothly. You know, you guys know I don't need to qualify too much so you don't misunderstand me. But I'm not talking about everything goes rosy and the children are going to be loaded up or whatever with all the possessions and things. It's not really about that. But the life will kind of come together. Life will work out for our family. And even when challenges come and difficulties come, somehow if we just stay true to say, Lord, what does your word say about this? Lord, how, do, how does this fit into the things of your kingdom? You see, seek first the kingdom of God really means seek first the kingdom is a king's domain. And if the kingdom of God is where he is king, where his word is the principles that we live by, that undergird the way that we live our life. And so if we're living with regard to his word and the truth of his word, if we're living in a way that um, that just uh, the righteousness part of it says, seek first um, uh, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that means what is right by him or what is Uh, you know, right and consistent with his nature and who he is. So then I'm saying, what does his word say? You know, what does God want for me? How is God leading me? How does this fit into the person of God and the way that he works and deals in my life? And as we do that, then what it says is that everything else somehow finds its place in our life. And so, you know, for me, that's what I thought. I thought, you know, that's what it is to be faithful, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, what is right by him. And the second thing was what I've already shared about, just to declare that he is faithful. And out of that trusting in his faithfulness, that I remain faithful to him. As I was thinking about this this morning, uh, I'm one of these naughty people, don't listen kids who writes on my hand sometimes. You know, I know that's naughty, but uh, Jeremy, who was just leading our communion time this morning, and he made a statement. He says, maybe he was praying at the end of communion or he just made the statement, but I scribbled it on my hand. And it says, Daily we say yes to you. Daily we say yes to you, Lord. And I thought, that's what it's about too. And I scribbled that down there. I said, Thanks, Jeremy. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Declare that he is, he is faithful because then out of an awareness of his faithfulness, something in my heart wants to trust him and to be faithful in return. And then daily we say yes to you, Lord. Father, thank you for your word and thank you that you are faithful. We declare that this afternoon. We declare that you are faithful, that we can put our trust in you. We can trust your ways. We can trust your word. In many ways, Lord, your, your kingdom is so different to the kingdom of the world. And as we live by and apply the principles of your kingdom, the way of your heart and the way uh, that reflects your, your um, uh, who you are to us, Lord, as best as we can, as we look to be faithful, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord, as we are faithful, you're the one then who opens doors You're the one who provides the ability and the enabling power. You're the one who causes uh, those uh, gifts and talents that you've placed within us even before we were born. Lord, you bring them to the surface so they can find expression, Lord, in our life and in the lives of others. So, Lord, we, we want to say yes to you. We want to be obedient to you. We want to be responsive to you. We want to come to a place of trusting you. Lord, we want to be the faithful and wise servant who, Lord, on your return... We're found doing what we're meant to be doing in the place that we're meant to be doing it. Lord, we do want to be faithful and wise. We love you, Lord, and we're not ashamed to declare our love for you. Thank you that you've opened the way for us to walk with you and experience relationship with you every day, every moment of every day. And Lord, I thank you for each of my brothers and sisters here from the youngest to the oldest, that, Lord, we will... Know and understand and experience the joy of walking with you, living for you, serving you, outworking the ministry that you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.